Hey listeners, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies as we continue with our Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World reviews as we get ready for Jurassic World Dominion uh, releasing uh, very, very soon on June 10th. And we are right up against the end here with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, a movie that I know, Rob, you and I had talked about not really remembering this one and maybe only seeing it the one time. Uh, but Harrison, I, I don't remember if you had said, you know, if you had seen this movie more than once uh, or if this was going to be really like your first rewatch was was joining us here today. So. Harrison, I'll start with you. What was your what was your memory of this before your rewatch? Um, this was one of the few that I actually actually the only Jurassic Park Jurassic World film that I ever caught in theaters. Um, when it came out, my wife and I saw it. She's a big fan of the Jurassic Park series. Um, but since it came out, I have not watched it since. So this was my first rewatch since initially seeing it. So we're all really Rob. If if I remember correctly, we're all in the same boat here. Is it, or did you say you had seen this one more than once? Um, I I'd seen it like the my initial time, and then I think I watched it a second time with my kids. Um, but that's you know I, I've not seen it really more than that. Okay, yeah. So we're all in a pretty similar boat, and you know, I, I was very interested because. Rob, you and I had talked that this movie was very similar to me to the Lost World Jurassic Park, the sequel to the original Jurassic Park, and the movie that I remembered the least about. You know, obviously you, you know, most people remember a lot about the original Jurassic Park. A lot of people remember Jurassic Park 3, even if it's not for the right reasons. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I do think a lot of people remember Jurassic World, even if you're not a fan of that movie, just because it had been so long since the series had been on the big screen or talked about. Um, you know, but was this going to be a case, Rob, you and I have kids, and we certainly, Harrison, you've probably heard the phrase, uh, the terrible twos. Um, was this going to be a, a, a terrible two syndrome where the second movie in these trilogies uh well, for me, would have been the, the worst. And I, I can confidently say for me, uh, this is a really, really bad movie. There, It's crazy how quickly this movie falls apart. So, Rob, this is going to be completely spoilers since this is a movie that's been <laughs> released. Uh, I'm going to let you start off with, you know, your original thoughts. I mean, this movie picks up. Uh, I believe it's three years after the events of Jurassic World where they're going to, you know, uh, Claire and Owen are going to return to the island because they, they need to rescue dinosaurs from, from an active volcano, um, you know. But lo and behold, of course, once again, so, somebody knows better and, and wants to bring these dinosaurs to uh, to the mainland. Yeah, so um... – I'll stay spoiler free for just one second. So if you're still listening and, and haven't seen this yet and are trying to decide if you're just going to listen to this review before you go see the third one or not, um, here's what I'll do. I've got for you, the listener, for free at no additional charge, a flow chart to help you decide if you should watch this movie or not. Question number one, and it's really the only question that you need to answer. Do you like movies that make logical sense? If yes, then watch something other than this. If no, then just throw popcorn in your face and watch this without stopping at all, even once, 
even once to consider what is happening and why. There's there's really very very limited rewatchability to this movie because it it does not hold up at all. You you watch this and you ask uh, you know a, a question at all. Why is this happening? Where did this come from? And it's you don't have an answer. It's another example, sadly, of a beloved franchise that went dormant for a series of years and then came back with a pretty good first outing. And then the second outing completely goes off the rails. Um, it's it's sad that that continues to seem to happen. <coughs> Last Jedi. Um, I just had to get it in there early. Um, it's. And, it, and you're right. It starts right out of the gate with with just stupidity. There's so many things that I, I, I literally almost had to stop writing. Like there are so many things about this movie that are stupid or don't make sense that I, I you know, typically I would write those things down or I would remember those. But it almost got to the point where like so many of them happened so quickly at various points of this movie that I didn't even bother writing them down because it was just so many. Like that's that's this movie in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, Harrison, um, you were not able to join us for, you know, the other th- three movies uh, that we that we did. What is what was your feeling on Jurassic Park up until this point? And maybe a brief summary of uh, of your feelings on this one before we just really break down the uh, the plot of this. Yeah, I. I saw the first Jurassic Park when I was fairly young. My dad showed it to my family, you know, classic dad move, showing the young kids Jurassic Park. Uh, (laughs) And and we watched it, and I loved it. I was terrified. I thought it was super cool. And then we just never watched the others because my parents were like, oh, the others aren't very good. So I just took their word for it for the rest of my life. So I had never seen Jurassic Park 2 or Jurassic Park 3. Uh, Still haven't seen number 3. I watched Jurassic Park 2 for your podcast, and... Everybody should listen to that if they are interested in my thoughts. I was very disappointed. Um, And then Jurassic Park 3, I was going to watch, but then I wasn't able to join you for that. So I I still haven't seen that, but I've heard even worse things about that. Um, Jurassic World, I am pretty sure. I'm like 80% sure I've seen it. But I remember so little of it that it makes me kind of feel maybe I haven't seen it. What I do remember of it was that it was, like, decent. Uh, But, like, obviously not anything good enough to leave a lasting impression on me. Um, and then, like I said, I saw this film in theaters and, and had mixed feelings about it, but just rather disappointed towards the end. So uh, besides the original Jurassic Park, I don't hold these films too highly. Like, that one is up there among the greatest films of all time, but then the rest it just seems to, like, fall off. And every single time a new Jurassic Park or Jurassic World movie's announced, I'm like, why do they keep making these? Because they just keep making them so poorly. Uh, and I don't get how they're so successful. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I certainly have a higher thoughts on Jurassic World. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I over time, I have really kind of lightened my stance. And I think I was pretty clear on that with Jurassic Park 3 during the review that it, it's one of those movies that it is what it is. I, I still think they don't. Like, to me, Jurassic Park 3 doesn't take itself as serious as The Lost Kingdom did. So that's why I kind of give that one more of a pass than Jurassic Park 2. Or, I'm sorry, The Lost World. Um, That's why I give Jurassic Park 3 a little bit more of a pass, because there's almost a point where it just, 
recognizes itself for what it is, and it just is like, yeah, we're we're gonna just have fun, and I can at least respect that. Uh, I think one of the things that really doesn't you know work about this movie as much as you know it tries to be serious, it it, it is serious to a fault. Uh, where you look at some of these things that happen, and it's it's some of the most ridiculous concepts out of I think any of these movies. Now you know we'll wait and see what happens with Dominion and, and what kind of you know movie that turns out to be. Um, I've actually stayed completely spoiler free, haven't seen any reviews, thoughts, or anything about that. Uh, but Rob, um, I'll let you go first. But we're gonna do something really quickly but that's that's my biggest problem with this movie is this is it is way too serious for what they present to you on screen so so there's there's a couple of interesting things that they could do very early into this that they completely choose to skip and skipping ahead not right from the beginning because there's plenty of absolute garbage at the very beginning of this that we need to you know completely destroy but skipping ahead to when we see ian malcolm and the the senate is trying to decide what to do here we know that there's this volcano that's going to erupt which okay let's just start with that like there's this volcano erupting like uh, the the line was actually like dormant volcano reclassified as active in recent months is pretty much the jurassic park equivalent somehow palpatine is still alive and I'm, I'm giving a, a very visible shrug. You can't see it because this is audio, but I'm, I'm just kind of shrugging here. Like, okay, sure. Like, you know, they, they just kind of needed to throw something in to initiate the, the main conflict because they couldn't figure out a better way to do it. Um, but they have this really compelling opportunity to talk about, you know, some, some intellectual conversations, some moral and ethical dilemmas about these animals and we brought them back do we have an obligation to them to keep that species alive do we have an obligation to the animals that are there not just necessarily for the propagation of their species but to allow them the opportunity to live out you know at least the end of their days um you know without being demolished like there's there's some really compelling stuff here and it kind of reminded me i'd listened to a really interesting um interview on neil degrasse tyson's podcast he, he's got one called star talk and he had on um, uh, an, an ethicist uh, who they were asking about, we actually have the technology to clone woolly mammoths. Is it ethical to do so? And basically, after going through a couple things, he said, if we can do it in such a way that these animals would be able to live a happy life and they could exist on their own, then, yeah, it is ethical to do so. And I would have loved to see them explore that a little bit more, but they completely skip right over it. And and don't give us any of that. The only thing I guess the movie really tries to say is just another hack need, you know, money and greed is the root of all evil kind of message when we get to the end of it, you know, and, and greed and money and the lust for money is is the root of all problems. And we've seen that so many times. And, yes, we know that these things are true in our world, but, you know, th there were so many other more interesting things they could have done. Um and and completely overlooked and and the first thing the movie wants you to do when it gets to that conversation is they want you to believe that claire is on team pro dino um why she almost got eaten she's watched people get eaten she watched what happens when these things go horribly awry um she has to live with the knowledge that mistakes that she made 
decisions she authorized or or just flat out made herself led to the deaths of many people and the permanent like you know mental trauma that many other people are going to live with forever and somehow she's on team save the dino like that to me right out of the gate i rejected that as soon as the movie started yeah i'm gonna jump in because i think you know with that even if your team like okay i I can see like man we should allow them to live out their life and everything but again you stop and think logically maybe for for one second and think about what is going on and what's at stake here. We're talking about transporting the dinosaurs again. Uh, We have seen since the very beginning when Jurassic Park opened in 1993 because the movie's timeline makes acknowledge of the fact like when the real movie came out and, you know, everything that's gone on. Uh, You have had one, two, three, four shots at this. And all four times, somebody with more ambition, more stupidity, more money, more greed, more resources, whatever you want to call it, gets a hold of this project. And something goes terribly wrong. So from the sake of this has gone wrong so many times, although I can't stand to sit there and let this volcano take them out, it has never worked with oh, we're just going to transfer them to another site away from people. It has never worked. So why do you think this time is going to be different? Why is there not somebody in the shadows waiting for you to move them or waiting for these animals to be moved, and then that's their time to strike? They're going to hijack the book. Whatever the case may be, it just feels like, again, for somebody that's supposed to be as smart as her – this is something that she would think about as this just never goes right. And unfortunately, the only way to make sure that an event like Jurassic World, Jurassic Park doesn't happen again is for these things to simply not exist. Harrison, I'll let you kind of go off of that top. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with everything that you said. I'll just add ditto. It, it just the, the second the film starts, it's just such a rehash of any – we have not gotten so far, in my experience, a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World film with original ideas. It's continually the rehash of everything, at least that I've seen. Granted, there's a lot I haven't, um, or I guess just one, technically. Um, but, but anyway, it, it just is such a rehash, the same thing. Yeah, greedy people uh, exploiting dinosaurs, so obviously things go bad. People get eaten, and chaos ensues. Like, it's just ridiculous. And... You would think that somebody would realize we should just let the dinosaurs go away. And it, it makes sense that Jeff Goldblum's character at least makes that argument uh, at the beginning. But it's just – it's it's so dumb. I, I, the whole time I was watching that, I just thought, why are we still watching these movies if we're just getting the same story over and over again? Like, just watch the original. Uh, I don't know. It's just ridiculous to me how – just, like – yeah, it's just dumb, everything. Even even the actions of the characters, uh, just continually, like, one decision after another, it's like, how did you not see that coming? Like, has no one learned their lesson from the history of Jurassic Park? No, no, they haven't. And I think the ideas of this one are the dumbest uh, out of, honestly, any of the movies uh, that, that I have watched. I, I think these are some of the stupidest decisions that have been made in this universe 
um, which I'll go into more later. And just some of the things that they shoot on screen with this are are amazing. But you know, talking about you know, like we just said, it's been three years. There, you know, the volcano is now all of a sudden classified as active. It's going to wipe them out. It, I, nothing about this opening scene where they go to rescue these dinosaurs off the island. I don't think any of it. I will say again, I do think Jurassic World um, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I do think they're shot very well in terms of, you know, the CGI. I think is very. I, I think for the most part, it's very good in these movies. Things look at least somewhat realistic, but there's really not anything. You know, you're supposed to maybe feel something for these dinosaurs because you're supposed to be along with Claire and and Owen um, feeling for these dinosaurs. But I really didn't. I, I would say the only thing that got me any what somewhat emotionally invested, and you have to know this, otherwise it's just this random thing. And that w- when the producers and the studio has to go out of their way after the movie is released to tell you what it is – that means you didn't connect with the audience or people just don't remember. I, I certainly made the connection, but the, the brontosaurus that is calling out at the end while the island's going up in smoke is actually one of the original ones from Jurassic Park. Um, that kind of got to me a little bit. Like I was like, oh, that's actually a pretty good establishing shot and kind of sad. But I don't know. It was just It was a whole bunch of mess on screen for the sake of chaos on screen. It's it makes you wonder, like, how did professional filmmakers look at this script? Well, first of all, create this script, look at this script and go, yep, let's shoot that. There's I mean, so much of it is nonsensical. Um, They shoehorn in this new partner of Hammond's that was never mentioned, never alluded to at all in any fashion and just like nope yeah we we need to the the island has a volcano it's gonna blow up and we have this other guy that you've never heard about before but he's really important now like that that whole thing is stupid so they bring claire to the island and she's the only one that can access the network like there was nobody else that had credentials and and that network even has anything it does at this point still like any of that gear would work like Honestly, like really, like, and you don't send a whole IT team in to fix, like, think of your computer at work, you the listener, think of the computer that you use at work and how often that thing craps out on its own when people are using it all the time and you have an IT department to back you up. Like, think about how often that happens or just even your computer at home. Think about how often your phone decides to just go on the blink and you have a tech support number you can call. And yet this island has been taken over by the jungle for three years. All this stuff just works. It's it's so stupid. Um, and she's the only one that knows the park well enough to get around. Yeah, like there's not one janitor that like knew all the ways around. Like that, that whole thing was just stupid. And for a volcanic event that could literally go off at any moment, they sure waste a lot of time flying all over the country first before they decide to actually get there. You know, if they would have taken like two less flights, they probably wouldn't have gotten there like with the lava coming down all around them. Um, there's, and, and even when you get to it, so these are all genetic creations. Why do they need the actual animals themselves? They can just make more like and we even see that later on in the film they've got all of these samples they've got all this stuff in the lab like what do they actually need the animals for woo's got all of his stuff like he could just make more why do they need to have this trip it, it doesn't make any sense and even little stuff like 
the tunnel that connects to the rest of the park. Like, why? Like, so they're in the, they're in, you know, they're, they're uh, trying to open the doors or whatever it is. And there's a dinosaur that sneaks in through that tunnel. Why is that there? Obviously for the, the sake of the scene of, of having the animal attack them, but actually why did they put that there? Like, that seems like that's counterintuitive to the safety of the park. There's just so much in this early thing that right out of the gate, it breaks the movie. It breaks the experience. It's dumb. And you, you just can't have fun with something that should be fun. Yeah, I just I feel like the entire pacing of this movie is really off. Like this is the first movie even, you know, like Jurassic Park 3 is a very, very short movie. But Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, even The Lost World, which I don't like, none of those movies feel as long as this movie. Like this movie feels like a marathon with like. No, there, there's no water stations anywhere during the run. There, there's you don't even see a finish line. Like, it just the pacing about this movie feels incredibly off. It, there's it just does not work on any level. And you mentioned like, you know, it's it's the same excuses like oh, Palpatine. I mean, they both use cloning technology. It's it's really lazily written. Like you said, Hammond's all of a sudden got a partner that was not even mention like not even a whiff that somebody else was a part of this idea in this dream um in the beginning and then you could you could see it from a mile away when they introduce that that little girl which boy is that just not only does that lead to just some stupid stupid storytelling but also it leads to just what is an absolute head slapper of an ending to this. The way that the characters turn at the end of this movie for no reason is it's one of the weird. It is one of the weirdest flip decisions I've seen in any movie where everybody just changed their perspective for the absolute dumbest of reasons. There's so many things that I, I want to comment on. The, the first one that I'll say is that, that the ones, you're talking about how long this movie is, and the one scene that just really drives that home to me is when the volcano is erupting and they're running from the dinosaurs, and then they, they run and they run and they run and they run, and the smoke doesn't envelop them. Uh, and then they stand behind that tree and perfectly stand behind the bubble just to then get in the bubble for dinosaurs and T-Rexes to show up perfectly on schedule, uh, then to get in the bubble to roll down the hill. But then Chris Pratt, even though he could run fast enough earlier, now can't run fast enough, and he gets engulfed in the smoke just so they can fall off a cliff and we can watch a bunch of dinosaurs die. And, like, the way that scene shot when the water starts to come in, maybe it's just my fear of drowning that makes that scene really claustrophobic, and so, like, that aspect of it is good, but there's also no tension whatsoever because I know that these characters aren't going to die. Like, I just know. I know how this story is going. So I'm just waiting for the dumb way that they suddenly get out of it at the last second. Like, come on, can you just get them out of it so we can move on? Um, and then also how far down they are when they have to swim up. Like, I, I don't know if anybody's ever had to do that. Like, I would run out of breath and die with how deep they are when they and start how much they were exerting themselves too oh my gosh yeah it, it is it's ridiculous to me um i have i have yeah. trouble if i try to get up from the water if i'm in my tub 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's just it, it it really takes me out. Uh, and I mentioned to Matt and Rob before we started recording, I didn't even finish the last 30 minutes of this. I knew how it ended. I was like, I'm so uninterested in what's happening. I have homework I need to do. Like, I'm done. And, and I just stopped because I just completely lost interest because everything is just like so rote and so boring and doesn't really have stakes in an interesting way. Uh, you know, like if you're going to do the same thing, at least have some stakes. And and anytime they have tension, to go back to that dumb tunnel that's connected to the rest of the park, that's a great way to introduce tension. Like, sure, it's really kind of stupid the way it works out, but you're going to have a scene. Go for it. Make a good scene. And at first they kind of do, you know, trying to escape. Uh, but then, of course, the narrow escape is so cliche. Uh, uh, to the point where when the dinosaur comes up and nips at his feet, he only nips at his pant legs, not his foot, not his shoe. Literally just like, do you know how close that thing would have to be to your foot to only get your pant leg? It's just, it, it removes any type of tension when it's that scripted uh, in every way. And it makes me really wonder how they, they thought, yeah, this is a good thing to include in the movie. Uh, that that is full of tension and makes the story. How does this add to the story that they were in a bubble in the, in the water and had to get out? Like there is so much garbage there and you can tell throughout this film that the dinosaurs have read the script because they know when to show up. They know who the red shirts are. They know who the main cast is that they're not supposed to eat. They clearly know, um, you know, the, as they're running away from the, the ash and the smoke, like the T-Rex shows up at the perfect moment to take out the thing that's going after them. And it, and then it kind of forgets about them and moves along because it knows that those are main characters and they don't need to, um, eat them right now. Um, it, I will say this though, just to give any credit where this movie has earned it, we actually get kind of a cool dinosaur fight at this moment. And what's kind of amazing to me is I was really thinking about this prior to this. Have we really gotten a good like Vegisaur versus Metasaurus fight throughout the Jurassic series up to this point? Like we kind of haven't that I, unless I'm forgetting something or just kind of repressed it because so many of these movies are actually pretty bad. Um, you really don't get it. Um, you know. you, and and we and we did actually get something kind of cool there. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it credit. Um, so I want to talk about something really stupid. The bubble falls into the water and Owen gets there. And just from behind his back, like he's in a freaking Animaniacs cartoon, he pulls a gun out that he never had before. We never see him use and starts shooting like and. Dude's got the lung capacity of Aquaman because he holds his breath for a really long time while swimming. Yeah, no. It's uh, what, what is shooting going to do anyway? And also, that is so loud, both from, like, the firing of the gun and then also the people in the bubble with the bullet breaking through. That would be, like, deafening. Like, who thought that was a good – like, yeah, let me shoot a hole in it and just let more water in faster, which is going to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Nothing to say of the shrapnel that the round would cause once it hits that bubble that's, you know, supposed to be able to take, uh, as it, as we saw in the previous film, it could take a T-Rex biting it without shattering. Yeah. You know, it's, it, the crazy thing is, too, is you can think about, I really, you know, every movie is, okay, every movie is supposed to have a beginning, a middle, and a climax. I get that. Like, that's filmmaking. But there's also things that lead to those crescendos in, in each section of the movie. This movie can be summed up 
in th- in three things, but you don't remember anything else in between. Like, tell me if you honestly remember. Okay, the first scene happens to escape the island. All right. The next major thing that's supposed to happen is, and oh my God, saying this line out loud, it's even stupider. They auction off the dinosaurs. <laughs> that's your second major thing. And then not, not only do they auction off the dinosaurs, they do it in like a montage cut with that head button dinosaur on the wall. Like, 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 like it's some like, you know, Early second act, main protagonist yeah. is getting ripped montage. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I always thought this when I first saw the movie, and it stuck out even more for some reason to me. Uh, I'll mention this in a minute. But So the second major thing is the auction of the dinosaurs. And the third major thing is them being released into the wild. I, in all honesty, we just watched this movie. Do you remember anything that happens between those three major points. There's nothing of interest that happens to get you from those points to me. The only reason I even remember those, and I literally, I watched half of this last night and I watched the other half of it tonight. Um, So it's literally very, very fresh in my brain. Um, Most of the things that I I can even tell you about are things that I specifically wrote down because of how stupid they were. Right. That's the only reason I can connect any of those scenes together. Right. There, there's no good scenes that connect them. And speaking of the auction scene for the dinosaurs, it, as stupid as that sounds, like, okay, these people are going to auction off dinosaurs uh, on the black market, uh, you know, in the United States, mind you, for people to buy them. Uh, but I'm sorry, the dinosaurs are selling for for what? Like, like it, $28 million. <laughs> Yeah, but if you look, like... I realize that $28 million is a lot, but, like, if you look at every dinosaur that they got through, the amount that those dinosaurs got sold for is not even equal to the budget that it cost this movie to be made. Like, <laughs> you're, you're telling me that these dinosaurs would not sell for more if you're using them for this purpose. Like, those dinosaurs should be, like, $50 million a piece, even, so, for, even for the, the, the lamest one. And also, who in their right mind, after witnessing everything that happened in the Jurassic World, the first, the film before this, would just give people dinosaurs without any type of precaution? Like, yeah, it's the black market and you're trying to make money, but like a problem, let's say you sell it to somebody in Russia. A problem in Russia suddenly becomes a problem in the rest of the world if dinosaurs aren't managed. Like, for your own safety, wouldn't you think that maybe we should just sell dinosaur parts whether that sounds horrible but like if that's what people want is for medicine and for armory and technology investment they don't need a living dinosaur well they they, they want to have, use have you for, guys seen tiger king they, uh, yeah they want to use it for, <laughs> for war though and you're you're telling me which is stupid gonna, right they're not going to turn around though and try and sick those dinosaurs like on the u.s or like it makes no sense and then the fact that out of nowhere they're like oh and it's a special surprise tonight. We're going to show you the Indoraptor. Y- you didn't think people were going to start bidding on that immediately? And he's like, no, no, no. This one's not for sale yet. And then, he, you know, they give that stupid freaking greedy look, you know. And, and all of a sudden, everybody starts bidding on this thing. And it's like, 
you, you didn't think that was going to happen? Like, why did you bother? Again, it's, it's just so the plot can advance. Why did you bother showing that dinosaur? You, you didn't <laughs> think people were going to try and bid on that? And, and the way they show it, too, like, oh, let's show the capacity of the dinosaur by pointing the laser at somebody. Like, you know, he, there's a chance that the dinosaur could get out of the cage, but we'll just really trust in our cages because they've never failed us before. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, totally foolproof. And, and then you also get the dumb line from the doctor, Dr. Wu or whatever his name is. He's like, he's like, don't worry, we'll make more. And he's like, and so will they. I'm like, okay, yeah, kind of a good line. Like, you do bring up a good point, but, like, the fact that it's a prototype doesn't mean that they're going to make more. Like, no matter what you give them, a prototype or a finished product, they're going to make more and try and reproduce it. Like, why are you so worried about the prototype? Yeah, I, I, it's stupid. All right, so just even getting down to the simple fact that they're trying to sell these for some kind of black market application, you know, you're going to use an ankylosaur, I guess, to, as a drug mule. I don't know. What are you going to do, just strap a kilo of coca to the underside of its shell? Like, what, what were they doing with that? So, My, all right, my daughter's so, got a birthday party coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to be honest. If you gave me the opportunity to, like, maybe not buy but lease a baby Triceratops, I might be I might be pulling some money out of my 401k. I'm just going to be honest. I'm you know, I, I am who I am. Um, I, I don't want it necessarily when it gets big, just just when it's like little and cute. But um, the the baddest animal they have on there, right? The Indoraptor, the meanest, scariest, nastiest, most likely to actually have, you know, clandestine or military applications. Um, I want to ask you guys a question. Um, what would that do? against a tank nothing it's too, it, it, it's too quick for a tank it, it no, will it jump and take out any air air force don't stand a chance it can fly right so um what about yeah so uh, a fighter plane um how how is that going to be effective against that um how about a helicopter what would it do against a helicopter with a chain gun nothing it would it would be a bleeding 28 million dollar hole in the ground Let's say it's running up on an embassy. Like even just firing off the the non-lethal ammunition, like they yep. would put that. Th like if you were able to get those shots off, which you probably would because you'd see it, that thing is yep. going to be knocked unconscious, or its you know its bones and its tendons and everything else is just going to be it's going to be bruised to the point where it can't move, and then you can walk over and just. I hate to say it so graphically, put a single bullet in its head. Done. Even even beyond that, um, and, and I'm certainly not condoning it because I think it's atrocious and disgusting, but there are people on this planet that hunt big game uh, like elephants and rhinoceros and other animals that are endangered and you should not hunt because they have no – there's no reason to do that. Right. Um, exactly. Even polar – like polar bears. Like polar bears are sometimes a little bit of a problem for human population, but there's there's people who hunt polar bears. Um, there are weapons that can take those animals down. Those same weapons that we already have, you don't even need sci-fi to answer this, would go right through that. Right. Like, d w you spent $28 million to get what? What exactly are you thinking that thing will do? Like, it, a steel door, and it's not getting through it. Like, what, what military application does this have? Because you can't control it the same way you can train a unit. A unit of soldiers responds the way you train them to. A tank would stop that thing immediately. A sniper, a 50 caliber sniper rifle from a mile away drops that thing like a blind roofer. 
it's useless. There's the whole plot, the whole premise of this piece is stupid and it's an insult to your audience to try to pass it off as believable. And, and then on on another note, because that's actually a great point. I didn't think about that. Well, you said Rob, but but also it, we have this great idea in, in sci-fi that Jurassic Park has presented that we can clone things, that, that we can can bring things back to life, and, and this is the direction that we want to go with that idea in storytelling. Is it oh we're just going to start, you know, making a bunch of hybrid animals to our nefarious purposes like? Really? That that's the direction that you came you were inspired from based off the great story that is Jurassic Park. And and like the one maybe decent idea about the ethics of letting the dinosaurs live or die is so brushed over and is only there so that Jeff Goldblum can get some good narration at the beginning and end of the film so we have bookends. The only other good idea is with the the daughter, whatever you want to call her, it's a clone, which Maisie is Fett is handled in the worst way. Like, that is genuinely a cool idea. Like, what a great progression of the cloning idea that we brought up in Jurassic Park. Cloning a human. Like, that is a natural, foreseeable idea and and thematic thing that you could use well in a Jurassic World story. And the way it's handled is just like, they're they're like me, so I had to let them go. Like, what? Well, that's the thing. Is like, okay, I can I can see her being like that. She's a child. She's impulsive. You know, I'm sorry. I I don't think anybody her her age has life figured out. It's the it's the other characters that are in that room that literally they just had this, and I thought that part worked at least decent. Where they have this major moment where they're deciding like, do we let these animals? You know, we went through so much to rescue them in the beginning. To watching them, you know, they're going to die right in front of them. And what is our, what moral obligation do we have? Because if we let them out, there are massive implications for what can happen to the human race. And, it, like, they have this epiphany that, like, we can't do this, we have to let them die. And I thought they actually played that pretty well. But for them just to be, like, to let this girl go, I had to, they're just like me. And they're like, yeah, okay. No, they'd be like, you, like, they should be shoving her out of the way. Like, you stupid idiot, what did you do? But no, they're like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. And it's, they went through the sake of all of that drama for them to literally, uh, Rob, it's like, what, 15, 20, maybe 30 seconds later for that girl to hit that button and everybody to completely change their minds after they, like, legitimately like thought about this decision like actually think like looked like they put real thought into we have to let them die well in certain things like owen just kind of standing around just letting claire kind of decide what was going to happen like hey you should think about this like he doesn't be like claire stop before you go any further let's talk about what's about to happen um they don't do any of that like he just kind of leaves it up to her like yeah man whatever you want to do i'm cool with it i'm just along for the ride um and then she, it looks like she wants to let them go into the wild. Um, and then she stops and kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a powerful character moment. She, she says, no, this is the, I mean, her life has been in peril 
multiple times now as a result of these animals, she can clearly see the devastation that they're going to wreak on the world because we as a species, as humans, are too dumb to be entrusted with the power that is creating these animals and allowing them to roam free. Like, clearly, we can't be trusted with it. And she understands that and makes that call. And then, you know, Maisie Fett just kind of lets them out and, and somehow, like, nobody was paying attention to her. She just, just did what she was going to do. Um, and it, it's just so dumb. And, and really, when you think about it, like, how, not every single one of these animals was there two of. And, and there's no even way to know that there was a male version and a female version of these things. So, you know, when you start thinking about the next film and you start seeing the world was completely taken over, I mean, there's there's actually like population theories about like if you ever look at extinct animals or, or animals that are near extinction and they, you know, when they really start to worry about the the population density of, of um, endangered species, like there's actually a number that when when it dips below, like the population of an animal dips below a certain number, it's it's very unlikely it will continue because there's just not enough genetic diversity. So you're telling me that even if there's a male and a female triceratops that get out into the wild, all of a sudden, within a very short window of time, there's going to be whole herds of these things just roaming across the American Southwest. Like, they, they I'm going to be very curious. Immediately. Yeah, you know, they, uh, they got out, somebody put on some Barry White, and next thing you know... You know, it just uh, life uh, finds a way. Right. Hey, you uh, you ever seen a dinosaur around here, honey? That's that's me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and but that, that's the other part of it, too, is, OK, so they get out into the wild. Um, and this is kind of the same thing with like zombie fiction. Like you really have to suspend disbelief with zombie fiction to make it work, because um, how do zombies ever stop a tank or an armored vehicle? Like even the even like the personnel carriers that don't have weapons on them, like you just roll right over them. But like, right. you know. You carpet bomb an area, and even even an ankylosaur that's, like, all armor and a giant club tail, like, what's that going to do to napalm? Like, it's going to burn alive. Like, it's done. These things would be captured, executed, euthanized, whatever, in a very short window of time. Yeah. And they would never live to propagate their species the way we see in the third film. So we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Like, all they would have to do is say, everybody – into like okay everybody in your homes or shelter or something and you'd probably lose some people granted but we're not sending you know what we're not sending any military on foot even if you were like okay they could bite a tank like we're not sending any military on foot fighter jets or helicopters yeah. with you know with gatling guns on the side we're going to fly above them and we're just going to mow them all down and even even a couple of good old boys with shotguns would take those pteranodons out in no time at all. Yeah, your problem is solved. Take foot soldiers off the ground, put everything on a plane, and you're okay. Yeah, we had some casualties, but nope, we're we're good. Like yeah, the Jurassic problem is wrapped up by lunchtime. Right. Yeah. No. It, it's just yeah. I just I don't understand. And again, I did not remember this movie, Rob. I mentioned this. Like, I did not remember this movie at all, except for I did remember, like, the three main parts of it. But there is nothing in between, like I mentioned, that is interesting at all. And the three main parts that you remember are so logically flawed and stupid that you don't remember them for the right reasons. You remember them for... It's bad, and this is not one of those – okay, this is not a Jurassic Park 3 where it's so bad 
it's to me it's good no this is just bad because they try to go darker they try to go with more of like uh, a life theme and they really are se- like they are really serious about this movie and what they're presenting and it it just makes it stand out even more that like yeah you really think this concept was like a, a good follow-up it to me it is really it, it's the worst story concept out of these movies it's a total insult to the audience in in a variety of places i mean some of the dialogue is so bad some of the situations are so bad going backwards just a little bit um so the auctioneer shows up and he's he's trying to you know press uh mills a little bit and like i could cancel this i could cancel this like you're not going to cancel this stupid the whole scene is dumb he would have known the timetable of when the animals were coming he would have known what was actually coming like the whole thing is just there to create tension for the sake of tension and it's dumb like it doesn't like you're sitting there watching this going why is this happening you're right. you're an idiot shortly after that um the uh, the one paleo vet says, uh, hey, does any of you know how to find a vein? Of course they don't. And then Claire says, oh, I did a blood cross or you know, a Red Cross blood drive once. Shut up. That's so stupid. Like, get out of here with that garbage. Now, this, the as someone scene, as someone who gives their blood frequently, I was extremely offended. Like you, you I, I've done a blood drive. You do not become a phlebotomist like. No, it, I was just so bothered by that. Listen, I've given blood a couple of times where they've struggled to be able to get the vein to work. And, like, I don't do well with needles in general. So, like, I, I distinctly remember that experience. Like, a professional phlebotomist couldn't figure it out. And she's – yeah. So that was just – that. now I will say the scene where they're trying to get it out of the T-Rex, that's actually kind of clever and fun. Like, I want to recognize what actually works where it works. Um, but there's so many other – like, there's so many times where – Clearly, the dinosaur has read the script and knows where it needs to be and when it needs to be there. Yep. Like when the Pachycephalosaurus is is smashing into the wall, like, OK, so a whistle is all it needs to, to make it smash. Like, OK, so he was training those two. And then he knows to smash the gate. Like he kind of stands in front of it and just sort of jumps a little bit out of the way. And then there's a moment later on where Owen kind of looks at him and he goes, all right, boy, you know what to do. And kind of like points in the general direction he needs to go smash next. Like it's so it's so insulting to the audience. Um, and then none of the security guards have guns. It's weird because later on they have guns. But in that first scene where the Pachycephalosaurus is wreaking havoc, none of those guys have guns. They just have the stun batons and like the like the police style batons because, you know, Owen doesn't have a gun at that point. So, you know, they, they have to make sure that none of the those guys do because they, they would all they all they would all have like MP5s, Uzis like they would all have a sidearm like he would have been dropped immediately. Like there's just so many of these things are dumb. And then the Indoraptor somehow knows what a tranquilizer is and knows how to play like it's asleep and then wake up right at the right moment to eat the dude's arm. Like when did it learn what a tranquilizer was and, and what that actually means? It's so dumb. Go ahead, Harrison. I, I, yeah. I was just going to say the only t- – just to switch up my tone a little bit, the only two good things out of this movie – is the one scene where the big long neck monster, or not long neck monster, long neck dinosaur, the whatever it's called. Time? Yeah. <laughs> it was a brachios- uh, it's a better brachiosaurus. Thank you. I could not remember the name. Um, da- is on the island, and they all watch it. Like, that was a good shot. That, oh, that, I, mean, I remember one of that. the most emotional parts of the whole series. That moved me in the theater, uh, and it, it's, still, it's a good shot. The other idea is hey, that is a cool idea. If we're going to do a Jurassic 
Park Jurassic World movie, and we're going to have a bunch of dinosaurs, we better get at least one where there are dinosaurs out in the world like not not on an island out in neighborhoods and in, in regular life like that is interesting that i'm excited to see what they do with that like like those are the only two good things from this movie everything else as i was watching it just was like continually annoying i i, I have to point this out the amount of tr uh, of establishing shots they have in this film of the island especially but just constant establishing shots and they're not good uh both from like a film editing standpoint but like the way they're shot multiple of the helicopter establishing shots they have of the island are choppy like it pans up and it like clicks it doesn't pan up smooth and it, it's like you you saw that and you thought yeah send it yeah, it, it clicks and it's super choppy. Yeah, nah, we're not even gonna put like motion smoothness on it. Like, like, uh, nah, they didn't have that in their software. They didn't want to use Premiere. Like, you really? I, I don't know. I just, it really seems like there was a rush to get this out. And I, I will say the other good thing about this: the visual effects. There's a few times when it's not, but for the most part, are actually pretty impressive for the dinosaurs. And they had a good blend of of practical like. Yeah, puppets, I don't know what you call it, uh, and, and, and actual CGI, it, and it has a good blend. Uh, I would say the Endoraptor, there's a few scenes that just are genuinely really impressive, including the way that the like the loose skin around its neck moves, and I feel like maybe all the other technical behind-the-scenes after-you-wrap process was so rushed for the sake of getting the CGI, which the film just really suffers, and I think that's why it feels like such a bore, because it, it just doesn't have a good pace. Yeah, no, the pacing is really is really off, but I, I do agree, um, and we, we kind of talked about this separately, that I, I do like those last few shots of the movie with these dinosaurs actually, you know, showing them in the wild in certain environments, and, you know, I really do, I really enjoyed that shot of the T-Rex and the lion, you mm. know, with each other, like, that was like, okay, yeah, this is interesting. And I even did, like, the bookend narration of, of Ian Malcolm's character and stuff like that. Like, that was... Well, he's Jeff Goldblum. How can he not? Right. Like, I actually really... Like, I like that. And I, I do think, even though he is very... A minor character in this movie, um, at least in what they show, like, certainly his message is something that is is talked about. I do like how – I guess I should point out that through one, two – he's not in three, but Jurassic World. Like, his character, I will say I do feel like over the course of these movies, they've had a very good progression for how he feels about what has happened, what they're supposed to do. I, I will say that I think they have at least done him correctly in, in how his character has evolved, so to speak. I think he's probably one of the ones I'm most interested to see in the third Jurassic World film. You know, what is what is his take on everything he's seen? Because he has to be literally just smiling and nodding at everyone saying, told you, right. you know, like you should have listened to me. But at the same time, you know, he's he's practical enough that he won't just like, nope, I'm going to just shut myself off. I told all of you that this would happen. You didn't listen to me like he's he's actively trying to save lives and help people. Um, in the in the second film, and he's certainly advocating for what he believes uh, they should do in this film. Um, so when we get to the next one and everything we've seen from the previews, I'm I'm really compelled to see what uh, what his story's like. Yeah, I will say that 
the thing that I will give this movie credit for is after rewatching it, it well, I, I shouldn't say credit, but I, I still <laughs> am, I still want to see the third movie. I, I still think it's an, an interesting enough premise, and it's something that I've wanted for the longest time because it felt like, you know, even after the second movie, this felt like the natural conclusion. Uh, for a Jurassic Park movie, now maybe it's too little too late to have this be interesting. I won't know until I see the movie. Uh, I will say that even as much as I do not like this movie, which is a lot, uh, it, it, it did not take my interest down for Dominion, which is good because I was I, I was getting nervous as I was about 45 minutes into this that, like, this is going to kill my anticipation. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to care by the time this so Matt, if you had to think about it, why why do you suppose that is? Because I feel very much the same way, and I've been trying to figure out why. And I don't know that I have an answer other than my absolute adoration, total and complete adoration for the first film. Are, are we still just kind of, uh, you know, that infatuated with the first film and everything about it that that we're still excited for future installments in the series, even though they've they've gotten kind of progressively worse? Uh, Harrison, go ahead. It sounds like you want to before. I yeah, I was going to say, I thought about this so much. Like I said, as I was watching the movie, I just genuinely thought, how are these films continually made and continually supported? I was reading comments uh, on YouTube and on IMDb about Jurassic World, the, this one, uh, The Fallen Kingdom, and people had really high praise for it. And I, I, I don't really have a solid answer. Uh, to me, I was like, are we are we just so childish that we love dinosaurs that much? I think that that is a big part <laughs> of it, because uh, I know that is how I am. But but I I think that you answered it yourself that, that the first one gives us hope that we've seen how it was done well. And I will say... The, whoever is the editor for these trailers does a fantastic job. I think more than anything, the marketing for Jurassic World films is is who owes the, who deserves the praise. Uh, because even still, as I, I I had the same exact th- thought as Matt, as I was watching this, I was like, oh no, I'm not I'm not gonna like this is gonna ruin it. Uh, but it didn't, and I was I'm actually still excited for the next. So I, I don't know, maybe we're all just children. We love dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, you think about those trailers that you were just talking about, Harrison. I mean, how many times have we seen a Jurassic World trailer where it's got the main Jurassic Park theme, but just played in kind of a creepy way on a piano with no other instrumental behind it? And, like, you hear that and you go, yeah, oh, what a Jurassic good World movie. Oh, oh, you know, and you just get excited about it. Yeah, I think for me, part of the reason why I'm still so excited for Dominion is I really do think if done right, because again, I think this is just, you know, this is the natural way this should have went, and I think this is what, you know, the original trilogy really should have been. Um, I really think if done the right way, this movie can, like, this Dominion movie, if this is truly maybe, you know, the end of it, um, depending on how it does, you know, money makes everything still turn but i think this can really bookend the story and end what this is on a good note like this this movie has the potential to almost just really sit there and maybe you know for me go all right fallen kingdom i'm just gonna go out and say it it sucked 
I didn't enjoy it. The Lost World, it sucked. I didn't enjoy it. Jurassic Park 3, whatever. It is what it is. Jurassic Park 1, I love it. It's a classic. I adore it. Jurassic World, I have fond memories. I like it. But to steal, you know, a, a, a line from Tony Stark, part of the journey is, you know, part of the journey is the end. Yeah, there might have been some speed bumps, but we could get to the end of the road and have a really good story. And for me, if that's how it ends, I I can forgive this. Hmm. I don't know if I can. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything I've seen where uh, a, a middle – Well, a middle <laughs> installment was so bad, and I disliked it so much that a later – entry into a series redeemed how I felt about it. Uh, I'll get back to you if I think of one. Yeah. I mean, I, I will. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's not, I know it's very, very rare if almost non-existent. Um, what, what I'll say though, cause I, cause I agree with Matt is that, that I just lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that I am forgiving enough. And maybe it's because of how good the first one is. I'm forgiving enough of Jurassic park in jurassic world that if the last one ends it's not that i will suddenly be okay with the others but that i'll just kind of accept that whatever but at least they ended it well like, like you know at least they yeah. stuck the landing type of thing and i'll and i'll be grateful that this one was good that the others can just kind of be accepted uh for lack of better words and and I, I don't know why Jurassic Park in that particular has that power for like, like, and it's not just like the three of us. Obviously, I think all of us are in that boat, but obviously clearly pop culture does as well. And, and movie fans, because we keep supporting these movies, I think all hoping that we'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to agree with that. So it's, you know, we, we don't have to wait very long. Uh, Harrison, I think you you have tickets for do you have tickets for Dominion already? Yeah, my wife and I were going Friday, and she's actually pretty excited as well. Like I said, she's a big fan of these movies. So, yeah, Friday. So, I mean, it comes out very soon. But, again, I have not seen – I'm kind of surprised. Uh, like, I, I have not seen anything about this. I have not read anything. Rob, I think you said that you have seen a couple of things. Um, I didn't even get, like, with other movies, like, oh, initial reactions. People are saying, well, it's – you know, it's okay. It's certainly, you know, not as bad as the second one because uh, the second one, like, some of the ratings are pretty bad on it. But I, I have stayed clear of hearing anything really uh, uh, about this movie so far. Yeah, I try to stay as far away from from just even reactions as I, as I can. Like, I don't want to read too much into it because I don't want to let even a headline kind of – you know, preconceive me to how something's going to be. Um, that being said, I've seen things where, you know, early headlines, um, reviewers have liked it. I've also seen ones where people have said, you know, not necessarily that it's bad, but that there's some things it misses, but is overall good. That's that's kind of what I've seen so far. Um, but I've, I'm doing a really, like, as, as, I'm working as hard as I can to avoid them because I want to just be able to see it. All that I've seen so far is that it had a like its its early screenings has so far nabbed a pretty good box office and that it has mixed reviews. I mean, like, but what movie doesn't have mixed reviews? Like, what a dumb headline! Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, such and such movie is released with mixed reviews. Like, oh shocker! You know, yeah, so at least it's doing well financially so far. That's I, a good opening. Yeah, I did hear over, overseas it's done pretty well. Um, so 
you know, that'll be it'll be interesting though to to see how this fares. So I'm also looking forward to seeing. I, I'm always enjoying of this, but what are the previews? It's a mega release. There's got to be mm. some. There, there's got to yeah. be something, you know, that is attached to this that's gonna be huge. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say that because I didn't feel like I got one with Top Gun Maverick, and maybe that's because I saw the new Mission Impossible trailer on YouTube before I saw the movie. Which I mean, why didn't you just release it with the movie? Why'd you do that? Paramount. But 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 anyway, I I was like waiting. I was sitting there, and the trailer started, and I was like, "Here we go, we're gonna get something good." And then I didn't get anything, and I was actually kind of disappointed. And the person next to me was like, "Well, I've seen all these before. Like, there's not a new one." <laughs> so I'm hoping that it's it's this one or Lightyear or you know, give me something, please. Yeah, and if you haven't ta- caught Top Gun. You, you might not be able to pretty soon because of this this lawsuit. I don't know. Oh yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out. So they're, they're trying to get that pulled from from the theater immediately. So oh, I have not heard this story. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I was actually just reading about it. It's it's kind of dumb. Actually, it's like stupid. Yeah, it's apparently there was. Harrison, there was a magazine article that was based on the story or something like that. So way in like 1983, this person wrote a magazine article called Top Guns that the original movie was based off of. So that author has writing credits on the first film. Um, but then his, I think it's like his widow and then his son or daughter or something, they are going to, they, they bought, they have the ability to buy the rights of that 35 years after it was written, written, which was in 2021. And so they're claiming that the Top Gun Maverick, that they didn't get legal rights from them to reuse that property, um, saying that the film wasn't finished when they regained possession of it. So, but Paramount saying no, the film was finished before January of 2021, which I assume would be true because it was originally going to be released in like May of 2020. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's just stupid. It now too, it, like, it's funny that they're doing it now after when it made a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> when it's made a ton of money and it's like, but you knew this was being like, Unless you were living in a cave, you knew this movie was happening. Like uh, for two, two or three years now, and especially that the main like claim of their argument is that the film wasn't finished after January of 2020. Like, are you ridiculous? The film was was like re- going to be released a few months after that. It was just delayed. Right. It's it's dumb. Yeah, yeah and, and it's it's funny to me as well that they like, especially the claim to take it out of theaters is such a good way to get this case attention because Paramount is making a ton of money from it and they want to continue to do that so they don't want to take it from theaters so like it's just good legal like competition right. it's just it's stupid right yeah it's it's dumb but I found it incredibly funny so yeah I'm I'm, I'm hoping for some good trailers um I know I I was. Probably it might be attached, but I know Black Adam is the trailers dropping tomorrow. Um, oh. So we might see Black Adam with it. Um, but who knows? I, I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe hopefully something, you know, mega in, in this trailer, so to speak, in, in these trailers. But, Rob, I, I know you said you took a ton of notes. Is, is there anything else you want to brush up on um, that, that we didn't, you know – a, a gem of a note that redeems this. 
Um, all right. So if I wanted to say anything good about this movie, there's I, I've said a couple you, things that are you, actually. You would have already said it. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I, if I'm being honest, baby raptors, those are kind of cute. Um, I kind of want one. Um, you know, that kind of that kind of. I actually did sort of like that they added a a real layer to the relationship between Blue and Owen that I don't know that we really understood as well in the first film. So it, I think that was actually kind of effective. I, I sort of like that. Um, the scene where Owen has to crawl away from the lava while still sedated is actually kind of funny. And, and I actually do <laughs> actually do like that scene. Um, um, so, you know, that that's actually pretty good. Um, but there's God, there's so many times where it's just things don't make sense at all, where where the dinosaurs once again wait to attack the main characters and just kind of stare and bark at them instead of just take them out immediately. Whenever you've got an NPC running around, like they take them out instantaneously, like those kinds of things, just they, they become more and more obvious, particularly when you binge this series, like you see it over and over again. And it's very frustrating. Um and just, I, I hate how movies just assume people who know how to use computers are magic. Like, the the worst example of this is in the second Iron Man movie that Harrison holds up as a good movie, and it's actually not a good movie. But I It is a good it. movie. <laughs> it is not a good movie. But, you know, every hacker ever, you put a keyboard in front of them, they tap about eight keys in, a, in you know, a quarter of a second, and, and they immediately all say the same thing, I'm in. Right. Like, it, the worst example of it is in Iron Man 2, but, um, you know, we kind of have that a little bit here towards the end of the movie where their IT guy is, is working really, really fast. To He knows that it needs rebooted. Like, he, he obviously is very familiar with this system, right? Like, of course, he knows it. It's it's not completely proprietary or anything like that. Like, And I'm just thinking, like, Matt, if I came over to your house right now and sat down on your computer, like, I would be freaking lost because – you don't have the icons where I put the icons, like the settings aren't set up for me. Your mouse speed probably isn't the speed that I wanted at. Like your, your volume and your brightness aren't where I normally have it. Like dude just sits down and hits about four keys and just already has the whole system rebooted. Like those kinds of things. I, I just hate that, that, that movies make smart people like just takes them for granted and, and, puts these things in that if you if you just even really think about it at all, it's annoying and obnoxious and I hate it. And the last thing that I really that I think is just super obvious and, and terrible, they spend so much time talking about the importance of blue and that we have to get her, she's she's the key to all this, to controlling the in the Indoraptor. Mm-hmm. Why? Right. What ex- exactly what effect did that seem to have? Because as soon as the Indoraptor got loose Blue had no control over this thing at all whatsoever. So, so what was what were they actually hoping for? Like that, that just completely demolishes the importance of that plot point, and just and just makes it more about okay, we have to have this animal in there because this animal is important to Owen's story. So that's the only reason it's here. Those kinds of things are so annoying. And again, like how how does anybody look at the script and go, all right, guys? Let's film this. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I just think there's there's so many things. I I do think with Blue, I, I think there was part of it that because Owen was able to, you know, somewhat control Blue and and work with him, that they thought by transferring Blue's DNA 
that they would be able to then work the same conditions with the Indoraptor, but then they don't realize that Blue's blood isn't pure anymore. But at the same time, it's still just like, yeah, Blue's like, in the scheme of this movie, like, Blue's an anomaly. Like, you probably are, like, Blue might be one out of a hundred that actually was able to sit there and take commands and listen to Owen. They... You know, it's, they just act like, oh yeah, well, it it worked once, it will work, like, it'll work again. Even just thinking about how new dog species are bred, um, a species like pit bulls, um, you know, they kind of have a bad rap, which is completely unearned, because they're actually really good dogs. Anybody who has ever owned one will tell you that, but... When they were being bred, they were bred specifically, the people who had these animals and were creating this breed specifically selected animals that responded well to humans. Like, right. that's that's how they did it. Like, that's, like, as the animals, you know, as you're basically taking, you know, we started a wolf and somehow end up at a chihuahua. You know, I've got a miniature poodle sitting, like, 10 feet away from me right now that it's crazy to think at one time in his species history he was a wolf. Like, that's just insane to me. But as as humans domesticated these animals, they specifically selected animals to breed. Like, I, I've done some charity work with an organization that does um, uh, C&I dogs, and it's a really, really cool organization. And um, their, their geneticists, like, it's almost like their own Dr. Wu. Like, they only select animals to breed that have, like, no elbow issues, like hip dysplasia. Like, they've almost created a new breed of golden retriever because of what they've done um, with these animals. Like they just completely have bred out all of their health problems because they only select certain ones to do it. And, and that's where like, when you see some of these things, like it's so dumb, like, yeah, there's only one animal like her. Like it, it would take generations of using her DNA to actually get domesticated raptor. I mean, that's a crazy thing to say, a domesticated raptor, but like a whole pack of these animals that could work that way. Yeah, totally agree. Harrison, any any final thoughts that uh, we didn't touch on? I, I will say the one scene, uh, forgive me, I don't remember their names, maybe I'll, IMDB can help me out, where the one guy, uh, the, the, the he's like the main boss of everything, that he's kind of, Eli Mills is what IMDB says. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he, okay. He goes and kills Benjamin Lockwood, like, in the dumbest scene ever. And I, and I remember when I saw this with my wife, and she leaned over to me in the theater. She's like, why is that in a Jurassic Park movie? Like, <laughs> it, it just feels so out of place. Yeah, he tells me to pick up the phone and call the police. What the hell did he think was going to happen there? It, yeah, I mean, yes. And then because I knew it, the scene, like, I knew he was going to die. I was like, wow, this is horribly written. Like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I have. Just another complaint. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, yeah, and it, the the funny thing is, is we, pro- uh, again, like, we could probably just talk about, you know, five, six, seven more points that are just really bad uh, about this movie, um, but uh, I'll digress. I, <laughs> I, I am really curious to ask this question, though. There are currently about if my memory serves me right, 50-ish films that have crossed a billion dollars worldwide? This is one of them. Why? Well, why, why this one? I, I, because I, I don't think the other Jurassic Parks 
did. I think this is the only one. But, but still, why this one? Uh, Jurassic World did. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Jurassic World did, so. Jurassic World, but again, this, I mean, this really was, this was, I, this was ranked as the, when did this come out? 2018? Is that when this came out? Yes, that's what IMDb says. Yeah, 2018. This was ranked as the most anticipated movie of 2018. Um, And at one point, this was like, it's opening weekend, and I I know you guys have joked about this, but because I always find this stuff interesting, like, it's opening weekend was projected around like 180 or more originally, uh, like when this was like starting to come out, and then it started like like mixed reviews started coming out from early releases and things like that. Um, And it did go down, but this really was um, a a very, very anticipated movie because really when Jurassic world first came out, the, the reviews for Jurassic world, they didn't start skewing until later after it came out. Um, to like get more negative, like Jurassic World had a lot more positive when it first came out, um, and word of mouth like to go for a sequel, uh, like after its first release, and people were like, "Oh man, we really want to see where this goes." Um, and maybe that has a lot to do with you know people just remember Jurassic Park three, and they were like, "Well, Jurassic World wasn't that," um, but this was really anticipated. Um, again, most anticipated movie of two thousand eighteen. Um, like upon its release. So it, it really did do some impressive like overseas numbers and, you know, uh, domestic numbers right out of the gate. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm curious to see how, how, uh, if we get another billion dollar Jurassic Park movie. I, I mean, I think just because of the fact that this is, I think because Dominion is released like worldwide, like, it certainly doesn't have some of these other things um, like Marvel movies have had where, like, China is, like, refusing to play them, um, which is obviously, like, a huge overseas market. Um, you know, there's apparently nothing in Jurassic World Dominion that China deems, even though it's stupid as it is, like, deems they want out of it. Uh, so I, I really do think this has a really good shot at making a billion, strictly because I think overseas numbers are still going to be really strong for it. That's a very good logic. Makes sense to me. So I, I do think it will still make – I do believe opening weekend will be over $100 million, but I I think this – unless this is really, really good, I, I think this might be one of those, like, it's front-loaded and you're going to see some pretty significant drops. Yeah, I think you're right. But, Again, could be wrong because it could get amazing reviews and people are like, no, like, you you have to go see this. Like, trust me. Like, this is, you know, because Top Gun Maverick is – it's getting box office because of the fact that, like, its second weekend dropped 32%, and which is crazy to think about because that's really not your typical, like, blockbuster movie that happens in its second week but it's getting repeat business and and new business because word of mouth on this movie is just it's unbelievable like how many people are praising maverick it's crazy to me the the amount of people that have come up to me who never talked to me about movies who who they haven't gone to the movie theater in like 18 years like have you seen top gun maverick i'm like yeah i saw it opening weekend they're like it's so good i'm like you've never talked to me about a movie in your life like <laughs> <laughs> and this is the one that we're choosing 
I mean, no complaints. I love Top Gear Maverick, but yeah, I'm, it's got serious word of mouth. So, I have not heard a negative thing about that film from anybody. Anything I've heard has been glowing. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So, well, let's talk about our real rating for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, I'm going to go first, guys. I, I will say, and I'm just going to get mine right out of the way. This is a one and a half for me on the real rating. I do not like this movie at all. There's a couple of good shots. Um, I, I, I give this movie credit for what I think is some pretty good visuals. Harrison, you mentioned that too, that, you know, there are things that look really good in this movie in terms of like, you know, oh yeah, it's dinosaurs on screen. I think they've done a good job in these two movies at making things look realistic. Um, there's a couple scenes that I, you know, that I do like the ending scene uh, and just a few other shots. But yeah, a, a really terrible paced movie. Some incredibly as silly as it sounds like some of the dumbest logic in the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World series and just uninteresting side characters and even the characters that are returning. You know, I thought they did a really bad job. They they did to me like the main characters took a step backward from Jurassic World and being likable. And and I get it, there were flaws, but I, I do think they took a step back in this movie from where they were at the end of the first one and in terms of me liking them. So for me this is a one and a half reel. So uh Harrison, I'll let you go next. Uh, this is just one reel for the sole purpose of the VFS, VFX artists, uh, both CGI and practical work. Um, and then that one scene with the Brachiosaurus that, that did pull my heartstrings. Also, I'm just like a sucker for Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, I'll just, I'll watch them in anything. So yeah, one, one star for those few reasons. Right. What, excuse me, one reel. Excuse Rob, me, one reel. Here comes Rob with a zero. <laughs> I might surprise you a little bit. My my real rating is also one and a half reels. Um, there's so many things that I, I don't just dislike about this movie. I actually hate about this movie, um, but I can't help it. It's it's part of Jurassic Park, and I and I just I can't I, I can't give it a zero. Um, this is this is by far the worst movie I've watched this year. And Matt, you've had me watch some really terrible movies this year. Wow, that um, is a statement right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, this is this is definitely the worst. Um, which will well, I'll hold that thought. Um, and you even so watched I, Catwoman this year. I did. I did. <laughs> you watched Catwoman. I, I didn't even do that. Holy crap! That was that's that's yeah. something else. I watched um, Catwoman and I've watched Morbius. Which Harrison, sorry, uh, Morbius is a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if uh i if we were doing this on the basement binge instead of matt goes to the movies i would i would give this as far as picking my poison never watch this film again i've seen it exactly <laughs> as many times now as i ever planned to it's you've actually probably seen it more times than you needed to so than i wanted to for sure <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so w with that being said, based on Jurassic World Dominion coming out, um, 
I, I Harrison, I'll let you go first on this one. I want to get your guys' power rankings on where we stand with the five movies. Uh, where do these stand? How would you rate these going from lowest to highest? What would be five, four, three, two, one? Uh, so far, um, from what I've seen, this is five. Um, four, I'm gonna put Jurassic Park two, The Lost World, whatever it's called. Um, above that, I'm gonna put Jurassic Park three. I've never heard it, or I've never heard it. Wow, M- words. I've never seen it, but I, I'm under the same opinion that Matt expressed that it's like so bad in a good way. Uh, again, I've never even seen it, so I'm just throwing it in the where there. So now I'm at number two, right? Okay, Jurassic World, Even I, I hardly remember that at all, like, at all. But what I do remember from it, I remember enjoying. I don't know, maybe if I were to revisit it, I'd dump all over it. But so far, it's at number two. And then way, way, way above that, like, eons and eons above anything is the first, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I uh, So mine's similar, but for a couple different things. So... Uh, this is definitely Fallen Kingdom is number five. Not even it's not even close. It, it for me is the worst out of uh, every one of them that I've seen so far. Uh, number four would be The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Number three would be Jurassic Park three because I at least I take that movie for what it's for what it is, and I get enjoyment out of it where I don't get enjoyment out of this movie or The Lost World. Uh, number two for me is Jurassic World. And number one is Jurassic Park. But my my fondness of Jurassic World definitely – it doesn't put it, like, super close, but it's it's not so far behind Jurassic Park that, like, I can't see it. You know, I, I can still – I can still squint, and I can see Jurassic World, like, at the end of the driveway. So it's not like this huge, huge gap between my one and two, which I think Harrison, like you said, is, you know, you're you're a football length field away from your number one and number two pick in this series. And that's a generous estimate. <laughs> so, Rob, where would your power rankings go? Uh, so just like you guys, uh, the film we're talking about for this episode, Fallen Kingdom is number five. Um, Jurassic Park 3 is number four for me. It's just... It's, I know it's so bad that it's good, but again, I struggle to think about why I would ever rewatch that movie on purpose. Um, Jurassic World, I actually have at three. I, I kind of forgot how bad some of the parts of the, like, I forgot how bad some of the bad parts of that movie actually are. Um, Jurassic Park 2, I, I have a little more fondness for. Um, there's, there's some parts of it that I do still really like. And then Jurassic Park 1, it's it's probably in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Um, and and really, when you kind of look at it and have to power rank it, and you look at, like, all the best things that the other four films did and add them all up, it's still not even a fraction of what worked about the first one or what was great about the first one. Like, you, you take everything good, all the good ideas, all the good scenes, all the good character moments, any of the good CG – and still, it's not even – it can't hold a candle combined to what you get in the original Jurassic Park movie. Well, that is saying something, but hopefully we will buck the trend here with Jurassic World Dominion, and it will give us something uh, to to really enjoy because um, it certainly has been, you know, difficult um, – it's been fun to talk about, 
but it certainly hasn't <laughs> been like you know a great experience rewatching the movies. Um, so hopefully Dominion will give us something different as I we look forward to that movie's release. So. Harrison, I do want to take an opportunity, though, that, you know, for somebody who's listening, maybe this is the first time they've listened to this show. Uh, tell them what, what you're all about and, and what you do, because you, uh, you know, you are a fellow podcaster, and your show's fantastic. So tell listeners about it. Oh, well, thank you. That is very kind. Yeah. Uh, my podcast, Rob kind of mentioned earlier, is The Basement Binge. It's fairly simple. I binge movies and then I talk about them. And I live in a basement. So there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, recently have been in school and so my schedule has been very sporadic. Uh, but I am looking forward to the Miss Marvel series that is coming out on Disney Plus at time of recording tomorrow by the time you're listening to this it's probably already released and i'm extremely excited for that miss marvel is one of my favorite comic characters i've read almost every single one of her series which is kind of ridiculous i have all characters that i thought i would do that for she is the last uh until i started reading her books and i really really like that character um so yeah i this is the first tv show non-movie that i've done at the basement binge and i'm excited to do some mini reviews uh also because it will be more manageable with my school schedule. Um, good, uh, good review for the first episode from from what I saw. Yeah, I'm I'm very very excited about it. So looking forward to that tomorrow. Um, obviously some great films coming out in theaters that I'll be reviewing. Also, you can go subscribe to the Basement Binge if you enjoyed this episode because this summer in a few weeks when I get out of school, Matt, I, I'm going to force Matt and Rob to watch the Transformers movies and then listen to me as I convince them why there is quality aspects of them. Uh, I'm so right. You, I'm. I am ready to go with the Transformers movies. I have, I've already, see, I am, I am forcing Rob to, <laughs> to find time to come over. We're going to set out, the, we're going to set up the outdoor movie setup. We're going to watch these movies. We're going to suffer together over a fire. I, I might have to put barricades around it because Rob might throw himself into it watching these movies. But you, you yeah. have my full support. Rob is – I'm going to have to maybe hunt him down someday and be like, did you watch this movie? Because yeah. I, I know how Rob feels about some of these. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited. The, ever since I started the Basement Binge, the Transformers series has been one that I have wanted to get to, and I've always kind of just like saved it for the right time. So I – I'm stoked. So if you're excited for that conversation, check out The Basement Binge wherever you get podcasts. Um, so thank you, Matt, and, and Rob, for eventually watching the Transformers movies. I'm, I'm convinced that I at least have a chance with the first one. Do, do we have time to throw in the the original Transformers movie? Ooh, like the animated one? Yeah, yes. sure. Why not? <laughs> I, I, I am so ready for that one. I'm, yeah. I'm humming the theme song in my head right now. <laughs> so... But, I mean, I grew up with the Transformers cartoon and the toys and stuff like that. So the the um, definitely characters that hold a special place in my heart. Are are we getting the are, are we getting the follow up this year? I can't remember. Is or is that like mid twenty twenty three? I think it's summer of twenty twenty three. I just literally like a few minutes ago saw it and I already forgot. But I think it's summer of twenty twenty three. Gosh, okay. I see. I see. So yeah, no. Um, you know, listeners, if you, again, if you are a first-time listener to this show, 
or you're a repeat listener and you haven't checked out the basement binge, uh, I highly recommend doing so. His link will be in the show notes to go check that show out. Uh, it was the complete inspiration for me even starting this podcast. So, um, I definitely recommend checking it out. He's got some really, really good episodes. Uh, one of my personal favorites is his review on Wreck-It Ralph, just because he allowed himself to kind of open up to listeners and, and really tell a personal story and journey about why that movie, you know, means a lot to him. I, I really thought that was a really great review. I know, Rob, you you really like his, his work on, like, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises with, like, all of the information that he, he put into that. Yeah, dark, um, the Dark Knight for sure. Um, it's a it's a film that you can really nerd out about if you want to. And uh, I, you know, Harrison kind of does all the hard work, so you don't have to. You just get to sit in your car, drive to work, drive to school, or mow the lawn, walk the dog, whatever it is you're doing, and uh, and he'll he'll give you all the details that uh, that you want to know. Yeah. So you, you both are very kind. Thank you. <laughs> so definitely check that out. And then Rob, if you could recap for the listeners uh, what we've got by, you know. Geez, I mean, way past uh, when we're talking now, but a new episode of, of Obi-Wan will be airing on Disney Plus that I'm sure we're all looking forward to. So, you know, let listeners know what we've got uh, coming up here and if maybe there's anything brewing in, in Rob's reviews. <laughs> yeah, so um, when we get to the other side of, of Obi-Wan and, and uh, Jurassic Park, we'll probably have a little more time to revisit that. We've already decided on the film. Um, might be one that isn't quite what you're expecting. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to surprising people with that, but it's, it's on the horizon for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, so here at Matt Goes to the Movies, you know, you're going to get all kinds of great stuff up and down the channel. Uh, a lot of great features in the world of comic book films, science fiction, horror, um, some other things kind of thrown in too, just for fun. Um, you know, a little bit outside of those uh, those genres, but uh, certainly uh, recaps of the Obi-Wan series are available and coming out weekly. Um, we'll kind of catch any of the big Easter eggs or any of the other moments that, um, that you'll want to make sure that you know about if you're a fan of the series or just want to know what everybody's talking about. So uh, make sure you check those out. They will be released as we can get them out. Um, some other things up, coming up for the summer, you know, Looking forward to having a production meeting to kind of see what the schedule is going to look like. Uh, lots of fun to be had for sure. Um, lots of great stuff coming out from Disney Plus, too. I mean, I can't wait for some of these things. I'm also looking forward to Ms. Marvel. You know, I, I think it was really a lot of fun playing primarily as her for the Avengers game they put out, you know, really giving us a look into that character. I think it's it really going to grow a lot of interest in that character. So hoping to see what they do there. Um, but if you are listening to this and would love to interact with the show, there are so many awesome ways you can do it. You can send an email to the show, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send your thoughts, send your rankings, send uh, if you actually liked Fallen Kingdom, you know, tell us why. Um, if you want to send us your, your power rankings for anything, really, um, we'd certainly love to hear it. Uh, be it DC, Marvel, Star Wars, any of them. Um, you can also interact with the show through Facebook. There's a uh, group page with a lot of great uh, fan interaction, which is pretty cool to see. Um, TikTok and Instagram, of course. And uh, while you're on the Internet checking some stuff out, head over to podchaser.com. 
While you're there, you can leave a review for this very episode of Matt Goes to the Movies as well as the series as a whole. You can do the same thing for The Basement Binge. It's a really convenient way to consolidate all of the different ways you can listen to podcasts in one place because if you left a review on Apple, you know, podcasts, you wouldn't necessarily see it if your if your preferred method of downloading shows is through Spotify or, or some other method. Um, so one place that keep them all is pretty cool. Five stars are appreciated, but honest reviews are always uh, what is preferred. Um, and you can just show your appreciation for us having to watch absolutely terrible movies like this one so that you don't have to, so that you can kind of remember what was going on uh, as you get ready to see Jurassic World Dominion. You've got us to have watched this terrible movie. We're kind of your bad movie stunt doubles. That's really who we are. We watch the crap that you don't have to and make fun of it so that you can kind of remember um, what was going on with it. So to show your appreciation for that hard work, head over to podchaser.com, leave a review. You can leave uh, out of five stars and uh, you can leave a comment if you are so inclined. And I certainly hope that you are. <laughs> Bad movie stunt doubles is such a good phrase. Yeah, our, our bodies take the beating. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and my emotional psyche for sure. Exactly. So perfect way to say that. So listeners, thank you so much. Don't forget to check out The Basement Binge. And hit the subscribe button on both shows to get updated on all future content. And until next time, we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies. Catch you later, everybody.